Medic 43, District 1, Engine 51, Response, Cardiac Arrest. Hello, everybody. Welcome again to another edition of the MCHD Paramedic Podcast. This is Dr. Casey Patrick, and today we're going to have a little mini journal club and discuss TXA for GI bleed, specifically the HALT-IT study. I've had several conversations uh, around the office over the past couple years, really since we initially rolled out TXA in our trauma patients about, you know, hey doc, we just had a lower GI bleed, brought red blood per rectum, hypotensive, tachycardic, would it have been reasonable to give TXA in that patient? Or, hey doc, we had a variceal bleed, hematemesis, coffee ground emesis, uh, tachycardic, hypotensive, can we give TXA in that patient? And up until the release of this study, we really had no good information for me to answer that question. The answer was maybe, we don't really know. Uh, there was a Cochrane review on TXA in GI bleeds that has been out and available that was a meta-analysis of multiple smaller studies that showed some signal for benefit. But again, these were studies with, with multiple uh, methodologic issues. Uh, none were really definitive. And so this group, the HALTIC group, took it upon themselves to really try to answer this question once and for all. Before we get into the study, let's do a quick TXA review. How does TXA work? Well, TXA is tranexamic acid. It blocks plasminogen conversion to plasmin. Plasmin is responsible for breaking down the, the fibrin clot. So in essence, TXA stabilizes clot formation. So it's not prothrombotic, um, it's antifibrinolytic. What evidence do we have in, in trauma? Well, we have CRASH-2, we have MATTERS. Uh, there are some others since then that suggest that uh, TXA is beneficial in bleeding trauma patients. Number needed to treat for mortality benefit somewhere between you know, 15 to 20 to 70, uh, depending on how you uh, interpret those studies. Benefit in OB patients in postpartum hemorrhage. Uh, multiple studies showing benefit in various uh, applications for epistaxis. We now use TXA and epistaxis here at MCHD as well. So it makes sense. What about these GI bleeders? This is a common presentation. These are super sick patients. You know, a lot of them are anticoagulated. The cirrhotic liver failure patients are, are auto-anticoagulated. They can look and, and present in profound hemorrhagic shock and and be really difficult to manage. So if we have the benefit of TXA in these patients, that would give us another, another arrow in our quiver, so to speak. So the HALT-IT study, what was it? Who did it? When did it occur? Where? It's a prospective, randomized, multi-center trial, 164 hospitals. Information was collected from July of 2013 to June of 2019, so just under six years. 164 hospitals in 15 countries, so international uh, by every every stretch. How do they perform the study? Well, they looked at five-day mortality from bleeding as the primary outcome from over 12,000 GI bleed patients 
upper and lower. That that was their primary outcome. They also looked at multiple other secondary outcomes. Death at 24 hours, death at 28 days, rebleeding at 5 days and 28 days. They looked at uh, ICU stay. They looked at transfusion number and amount. They look at they looked at invasive procedures performed. So several secondary outcomes. But again, the primary outcome was five-day mortality from ble- bleeding. Um, how did they dose it? They gave a one gram bolus up front for their GI bleeders, and then they continued with a three gram total drip over the next 24 hours. So there were multiple authors, obviously. The Haltic collaborators uh, were, was, was the entire working group. So what did they find? What were the results? Again, primary endpoint, five-day mortality due to bleeding. And they found the rate of death, so mortality at five days from bleeding in the TXA group, 3.7%. In the placebo group, 3.8%. So no difference with TXA. And if you look at some of the secondary outcomes, the same and different timing, same for death due to bleeding at 24 hours and at 28 days. So no benefit from bleeding death at one day, five days, or at 28 days. What about the groups where they matched? And the groups were very, very similar. Age, anticoagulation rate, upper and lower bleeding, shock between groups, uh, vital signs between groups. Really, uh, the table one is the classic place that you look at in any study to look at demographics and to compare the groups, uh, experimental and control groups. And these were exquisitely matched, almost so that it's it's almost looks almost too good to be true. They're that evenly matched. What other secondary outcomes did they look for as far as uh, side effects? Well, they looked at, at thromboembolic events. And overall thromboembolic events, there was no difference. But when they pulled out venous uh, thromboembolic events, they found a doubling with TXA. So the rate of venous thromboembolism in the TXA group was 0.8% as opposed to 0.4% in the placebo group. So not an insignificant increase there. No change in the number of procedures as far as endoscopy goes. No change in the amount of transfusion no change in the length of ICU stay. So really for all of us TXA lovers out there, and I guess I would throw myself in that group uh, for full disclosure purposes, this was a bit of a bummer. I was hopeful that we would see some real benefit with TXA in these GI bleeds. So that leads us to the questions. So what questions does this generate and are there ways that we can pick this study apart? And there are a couple, but admittedly not many. So who got TXA? Who do they look at? They looked at folks 16 to 18 years and older with significant bleeding, quote unquote. So low blood pressure, tachycardia, shock, requiring transfusion, requiring urgent endoscopy. So that's the group we're worried about. This was a, this is a pretty sick cohort of patients. So, um, that fits the group that we were that we wanted studied. Um, what about their methodologic setup and their outcomes? And this is the part where some evidence-based medicine gurus, probably more savvy than myself, could probably poke bigger holes in the study. But admittedly, I'm not sure how big of an issue this is. And the issue is is that they changed their primary endpoint about 80% of the way through the study. So the study had 12,000 patients. Somewhere around 10,000 patients in, their original primary endpoint 
was overall mortality, which again, we talk about patient oriented outcomes here at MCHD. When you're looking at any research, any uh, journal article, are they looking at surrogate markers? Are they looking at endpoints that we really care about from, from the clinical standpoint? And the biggest one of all is mortality. So that would be an ideal endpoint for us. Does TXA improve mortality? That's, that's the ultimate, right? So why did they switch to five-day mortality from bleeding? The authors felt as though that when they were looking at this blinded data, that they were seeing many more deaths due to non-bleeding. So these GI bleed patients would get admitted to the hospital and they would die of sepsis or they would die of a pulmonary embolism or they would die of an MI. So they were not seeing the rate of bleeding death that they expected. So they changed from all-cause mortality to five-day mortality from bleeding. Now, in the end, I don't feel like when the rubber meets the road, this is quite the big deal that some authors and, and bloggers out there have, have pointed out on the internet. Why is that? That's because if you go look at their data, the original 28-day mortality difference between the two groups, there is none. So if they had, if they had kept that original primary endpoint, the study results would still be the same. And they kept their blinding um, throughout this. They didn't make that decision by... Um, combing through the data and cherry picking, they, they did it in a methodologically, what appears to me, correct way. What about movement between the groups? What about um, patients being lost to follow up? Did they follow intention to treat analysis? Some of the other uh, evidence-based medicine questions that we may ask. And realistically, there was very little loss to follow up. They got data on a surprising number of patients. Um, there was very little movement between groups. Um, they did perform a modified intention to treat analysis as opposed to true intention to treat. Again, there was so little loss to follow up though, and the the data collection here was really relatively pristine. I don't I don't want to dwell on the details here, but the study was very well done. So I don't feel like that was a was a huge issue. Um, what about the differences between the groups? Were the same rate of upper GI to lower GI? Yep. What about anticoagulants? Same between groups. Uh, I will say that the anticoagulant portion in the study overall, only about 10% of the patients in each group were anticoagulated. I, I would say in my personal experience, that's the only small stone that I would throw, and that's that I would say a higher percentage than 10% of the severe upper GI bleeds and lower GI bleeds that I see are anticoagulated. I think that number is higher than 10%. So that's a spot where, is it directly comparable to my practice? Probably not. I don't think that's by any means a deal breaker, but just something to make note of. And then what about the blinding? Was there any question in blinding in the study? And the, the clinicians were blinded, the reviewers were blinded, the patients were blinded. Again, this was an exceedingly exceedingly well done study and when you look at the numbers and the time and the space that was that was crossed uh, it really is a, an amazing study you know 15 countries uh, over 150 hospitals over 12,000 patients uh, if you want to look at how a, a randomized prospective double-blinded study should be put together and done there's there's 
others you could look at, but this one was, was very well done. So what do we do now? What do we do with TXA and GI bleeds? And you know, the bottom line question, is there a role for TXA in acute GI bleeding? And the answer from this study is no. If you think about our trauma data, CRASH-2 and MATTER specifically, and you look at the mortality curves in those studies, it's pretty easy to see that that three-hour cutoff that we use in our MCHD protocol is there because in those studies, when TXA in the acute trauma patient is given later than three hours from the insult, mortality increases. When you think about acute GI bleeds, we don't know when that varicea starts bleeding. We don't know when the ulcer starts bleeding. We don't know when the diverticulosis necessarily starts bleeding. And patients d present at variable times across that spectrum. In this study, 80% of the patients presented greater than three hours from the onset of bleeding. So really, if we, if we compare this and extrapolate from trauma, would we expect TXA to work at four hours, at five hours, at 10 hours after the bleeding starts? And the answer is no. And that could be the very simple reason why it doesn't work. This could also, continuing on this thought process, this could also be the reason why we see increased rates of venous thromboembolism in the TXA group because 80% of these patients in the HALT-IT study got TXA greater than three hours after the onset of their, their bleeding. The other group of patients that could potentially cloud the issue here and make TXA not beneficial is the variceal bleeding cirrhotic patients. And we know in variceal bleeding cirrhotic patients that some of those patients are hyperfibrinolytic, some of those are hypofibrinolytic, and depending, you know, that could be a benefit from TXA or there could be a harm from TXA depending on which direction uh, your clotting cascade is flowing. So what's the future hold? Maybe there's a role for TEG or for Rotem. Um, if you're not familiar with either of those, those are newer uh, assays that are available in hospital now. Um, trauma centers specifically are using these uh, to assess the clot formation, clot stability, and clot breakdown in real time. So one of, one of those numbers that these tests generate, one of the visual representation that, that these tests generate is that rate of fibrinolysis. So if you saw a hyperfibrinolytic state in a specific patient, potentially in these GI bleed patients, TEG or Rotem may be used to guide that specific administration of TXA. Again, not something we're going to be doing in the field. This is going to be, you know, ED driven and something that's definitely uh, down the line in the future. The other detail that nitpickers out there may pick up on is that they gave a gram and then three grams in a drip. So they gave four grams over 24 hours, slightly higher dose than in crash and in matters. So that could have driven the increased rates of venous thromboembolism as well. So realistically, we often say at the end of these podcasts, when it comes to journal clubs, stay tuned, further studies are needed, additional studies are being performed. This is a case where the book is likely closed. Um, again, very well done study, 12,000 patients, blinded, randomized, multi-center, international. The effort that it took to perform this study is, is really beyond most understanding. 
and it was just well done and there's there seems to be no benefit so i don't think that we're going to see a TXA GI bleed study in the near future. Uh, this one really answers our question. So from now on, when we're walking in the office and talking in the field and you had a GI bleed patient last week and doc, why can't we just throw some TXA on there? I mean, the patient's crashing. What can it hurt? Well, you double the risk of venous thromboembolism and you don't get any mortality benefit. That's what it can hurt. So are we going to be adding TXA to our GI bleed protocol here at MCHD? We're not. If you have questions about this study or want to talk about it more, shoot us an email at podcast at mchd-tx.org. There's plenty of other wonderful write-ups out there on the internet. We'll post some of those in the show notes. As always, thanks for listening. Leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcast. We'll be back to talk to everybody again soon. Have a good day. This podcast was brought to you by the Montgomery County Hospital District, Texas. Production and editing by Andrew Adams. Questions or comments, which are always welcome, can be sent to podcast at mchd-tx.org. Make sure to subscribe above to keep updated to all our future casts. Music, copyright, Kevin McLeod, and Competech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0.